Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discussed the 1995 film The Bridges of Madison County, starring Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but it might help if you do. Although with this one, it's perhaps less important because we go off on some pretty wild tangents on this episode. Enjoy. This is Essential Mic Check. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, good. It didn't do the ringing noise that it usually does for some reason. That's kind of, yeah, it's thrown me a little bit. Thrown me off my game. Oh, very odd. You sound really nice, though. You sound silky smooth. Oh, thank you very much. Um, you're, I'm getting double Johnston again, which you know. Uh, oh, no. Oh, it stopped. There we go. How's that? That's perfect, yeah. I mean, I, I do I do love a bit of double Johnston, but... um. Maybe not in a recording. No, maybe um, more of a coffee context kind of thing. Yeah, or like if we're double tracking some vocals in the studio, then some double Johnston is, you know, the ultimate. Yeah. It's also the name of my um, finishing wrestle move, the double Johnston. The double Johnston. What is the double Johnston then in wrestling? So I get both my elbows like either side of the guy when he's on the floor. And I like move him left and right like a chicken, and then go buck 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 buck, and then I kick him really hard <laughs> in the bum. That sounds ideal. I don't know if that's even allowed in wrestling. You probably can't just kick people up the ass, can you? I think you can. I remember um, when I had my vague, uh, my vague flirtation with with the WWF, as it was known back in the day. Um, which disappointingly did not include anyone dressed as a giant panda beating the living crap out of another person dressed as a giant panda. Um, there, there was some some rather risque moves, so I think the kick up the bum chicken attack would 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 go down a tree. <laughs> kick up the bum chicken attack. Yeah, that's um that's what I'm known for. That's my thing. That's also going to be the name of my um, fried chicken restaurant that I'm going to open up right next to KFC and see which does better. I'm trying to think of what that would be, what what that would be brought down to instead of K- KFC. Kutchbach. Kutchbach. You'd be, you go, <laughs> I think <laughs> you'd go K- KBC. KBCA. KBCA. So you don't put the up the. So you have kick in big letters and then up the in small letters and then BCA, bum chicken attack. I'm afraid to tell you that KBCA is already a thing. It is a television station in Alexandria, Louisiana. Oh, fuck's sake. We'll have to buy them out with chicken. Yeah, I mean, you could do an affiliation with them. I suppose, yeah, kind of. Louisiana, Louisiana must be quite good at the fried chicken thing. Yeah. You'd have thought. I hear that it is something of a chicken heaven. And somewhere I'd very much like to visit, actually. So I don't know whether Alexandria is is particularly renowned renowned for its chicken, but I think the way forward is a partnership that puts both of us on the map. Yeah, I think 
and and anyone who doesn't agree, you know, hostile takeovers, including the literal chicken attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. We know that not only do we do we have a great concept for a, a fried chicken restaurant, we have an attack that can scare off any potential any potential trouble. You know, the the tax people come round or whatever, they get the chicken attack and they kick up the bum and they're sent on their way. You know, it's 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 a win win situation. You know, I th- I think that could go down incredibly well. Yeah. This is um, what we're going to use. Some some of the money from Sensation should go towards this project. I mean, it's a it's a long game. Not all of it. Just like the kind of creaming creaming the profits off the top, like how they make white chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, there are many different ways in which we can create worthwhile ventures in the world. Definitely, we're we're a couple of very multi talented guys. Yeah, exactly. So, um, how's your how's your week been, Ren? I'm sorry I cancelled last week's recording to go and play softball which turned out that the team that I played for lost, but it was only by one run, and I, I played quite well. So, Oh, all right. Well, that's all right then. That was that was a victory. But it's because it wasn't my team. So it's like when you go and play to another team, because I'm the captain of my team, it's sometimes nice to go and play for other teams and just be a regular player and not have to do the batting order and the fielding positions and give the pep talks and stuff. You can just get out there and do your thing, you know? Yeah, it allows you to, to have that la- like less pressure on you. And instead to sort of purely be an excellent softballer. Exactly, yeah. A baller. Softballer. <laughs> softballer. Um, yeah, so my, my week has been all right. What have you been up to? Just busy working mainly. Um, went for a nice walk, um, which was which was very nice. And uh, yeah, just playing a lot of video games. So it's been a relaxing one. It feels like, it feels like it's been a, yeah. It, all the E three stuff's over now, right? Yes, E three is now is now finished, and um, and the hype machine that is uh, that is E three has been put back into the cupboard for another year um, until we can get all hyped up again next year. Um, nothing, nothing beat Garfield Go in the end. That was the uh, that was the highlight. Yeah, you know, can't beat a bit of Garfield. <laughs> apart from sensations go obviously apart from sensations go but you know until we find a developer and a publisher um people will just have to dream or did we did we decide to go fieri go in the end oh it was guy go wasn't it guy go was what we went with guy go <laughs> that's the one guy go yeah best game of e3 for sure yeah e3 2019 i think yeah yeah, exactly. Everything we're doing here is a long, long game. Um, so, so it's worth perhaps discussing what's happened in our lives since the last time uh, we we recorded a podcast. So, of course, we had your fabulous stag do. We did, and we went into it with the intention of asking people all about their favourite films and doing some mobile recording, but we didn't do any of it. But not because we were drunk. No, it was just it, it was an enjoyable occasion. It was a really good time. It, it was it was lovely, wasn't it? Uh, I'm pleased you had a good time. We climbed up a big hill. We did. We uh, we we went on a boat ride in a mine. Yep, down a cave on the boat in the lights. It was well, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> um, and and perhaps most importantly, um, we we had long long discussions about flat Earth theory. Oh my God! Yeah. So much so that I um 
I I've been writing my wedding speech today, and you I uh, I won't spoil any, anything for you other than to say that the flat earthers do get a mention in my wedding speech because it sort of became the the theme of the stag. It did, yeah. Um, it it was amazing, and like just just a fascination about. If anyone hasn't heard about flat earth theory, it's people who still believe that the earth is flat. You mean it's the the truth that we've discovered that the earth is flat? Yes, it is true, because if the earth wasn't flat, surely gravity would make all of the oceans sink into the southern hemisphere. (laughs) You know, that's how gravity works. It all goes down. So why is Australia not flooded? Yeah. You know, that's just science, you know. There's a really good picture that illustrates this that someone has made of like all of the water on the earth flowing down into the the bottom half of it <laughs> and all just like dripping down like through a funnel. It's yeah, it's really something. But my favorite one is the one it's like a what they they think is an aerial view of earth and how the sun and the moon move around the earth. So they're just like two dots and a yin a yin yang kind of arrangement, one for day and one for night, and then they're just spinning around in a circle. I mean, it's very convincing to me, but they all seem to think that that constitutes ultimate proof because they've created a gif of this versus they think that gravity, which has like literally centuries worth of scientific effort evidence, they say that that's pseudoscience and that's a myth and that that's fake news. These people are, are very, I mean, their commitment to to this kind of absolute nonsense is is kind of inspirational in a way. It's commendable, you know, that these people can look at everything in the history of science for the last thousand years and say, you know what, you're all on the payroll of big science. Yeah, big science. And you're trying to hide the facts from us. Um, <laughs> because everybody knows that um, the academia and science is the most profitable and most powerful thing in the universe. Yeah, definitely. Um, not, not you know, politics or business. It's it's the academics that actually run everything, and they're trying to control us. Yeah, since I got a PhD, like the money has just been flowing in from everywhere. I get a check like through the month, through the the mail every month. You know, like royalties, and it just says, um, "Gravity isn't real. Keep up the good work." And it's for like five million pounds. So I'm a, I'm getting rich off the back of of gravity. I mean, I even I get a grand a week for my MA, um, just so they're like, <laughs> you know, from from David Cameron and the other members of the secret reptilian society who runs uh, runs the world, saying, yeah, your 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 masters where you wrote a horror film script is trying to keep the population down and is contributing to people uh, still getting vaccines. You know, which which is it's just making them more docile. So well done, Rob. Is David Cameron, the Queen, Hillary Clinton, and all of them and their lizard pals? They want they want you to believe that the Earth is round. You know, I I'm just so grateful that we we have such a down to earth, um, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> pleased you enjoyed that we have we have such a down-to-earth person with no power with no money as donald trump in the white house because you know he's you know he's had such little power throughout his life that you know we can really trust him to look out for us and help reveal that the earth is flat he's 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 got the you know, he's touch. just one step away 
the I mean, the only thing stopping him is all of those, you know, shills that are on government welfare and, you know, relying on medical care. And as soon as he gets rid of them, then he'll be able to tell us all about how the earth is flat. Yeah. The real problem is, is that people are allowed to not to die. That's that's like obviously the biggest problem. And he's he's tackling it. So, you know, fair play to him. Yeah, you know, free. You know, one of the great libertarian policies is that people should be allowed to die whenever they want. Yeah, you should have the right to to die of a of a horrible disease, because it's your right to do so as a free human being. And and anyone who tries to allow you to get the care you need if you can't necessarily afford the extortionate prices is is you know it's an enemy of humanity. It, they're enemies of freedom, like nanny state hand holding. Don't need it. It's all health and safety rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. Political correctness gone mad. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to f- dig out a few of my favourite flat earth memes and I'll put them in the show notes. So you should look through them all um, and then realise the truth that the earth is flat. Um, but I, I challenge you right now, um, go outside or wh- wherever you are, maybe just head outside of your house. If you're already walking out somewhere, try and get up high a little bit and look at the horizon. Look as far as you can look to the left and then as far as you can look to the right. Do you see anything curving away? No, it looks pretty flat to me. So, you know, I'm just saying that the proof is right there in front of you, if you don't believe us. Yeah, just, you know, open your eyes. Yeah, open your eyes. Wake up, sheeple. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not here to talk about flat earth, are we? This isn't a flat earth podcast. I mean, we could make it into one, but it is in fact. (laughs) I think maybe... Flat Earth cast should be our next our next venture, but you're right. This is not the main focus of our podcast. You joke. I bet there is one. I haven't I haven't actually looked to see if there is a podcast about by Flat Earthers, but I bet there is one. That there, there must be. There's lots of other conspiracy theory podcasts. Oh my god, so, we are really going to go down the rabbit hole, aren't we? I mean, I I actually do listen to a couple of them because I find them fascinating, and some of them are really entertaining. Um, so there's one called if if you're if you're at all intrigued about conspiracy theories and things like that, I highly recommend you listen to Mysterious Universe because they they have a it's these two Australian guys who have a real sense of humour and they do believe in things like UFOs and stuff like that, but they consistently poke fun at the conspiracy theories um, that are obviously really stupid. Um, so it's really they they don't expect their listeners to always be sort of like conspiracy heavyweights, and it's just quite an entertaining listen, um, particularly when they pick on things like flat Earth theory, which is always very entertaining. Um, so I'm just going to do a search on podcasts for flat Earth. Yeah, do and it. See what comes up. Actually, yeah, do it right now. I'll do, I'll do the same thing on the Overcast app and see what we get. But we'll put that in the show notes. Mysterious Universe. I th- I feel like I've heard of that actually. It's really good that someone is able to make it like take a to laugh at themselves whilst also doing it and being a little bit. Oh man, there's there's a few coming up here. So there's one called Flat Earth Conspiracy. Yeah, flatearthconspiracy dot com. So the, and its its description is a quote: "The best way to know if you truly have an open mind is to be able to question a belief system that has been ingrained in you your entire life." By Laurie Frary. That sounds like a made up name. And also kind of close to Fieri. Maybe it is Guy Fieri. Do you reckon Guy Fieri might be a flat earther? Maybe, yeah. Um, I've got a couple of good episodes here. So a podcast called Dare to Question did an episode on flat earth theory. And also Reason is Reality. Now, Reason is Reality, that could go either way, couldn't it? 
Um, so reason is reality. That could be either sort of like a pure science based podcast where they debunk things like that, or it could be, you know, the reality is this, that the earth is flat. Yeah. And they get there through selective reasoning. Yes, exactly. Either way, you know, I'm adding all of these to my subscriptions. Yeah, me too. I think we should listen to I think we should listen to a couple of them and talk about them next time for a bit of follow up. Yeah, I think so. Not to give you more work to do as well as watch a film. You now gotta to listen to a bunch of flat earth podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly yeah. but surely we are gonna just become a conspiracy theory podcast, aren't we? Yeah, but we'll 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 make it a gradual process. One thing I have always wanted to do is do some kind of creative work, but then slowly bring in like fantastical fictional elements. So, for instance, a podcast like this, where they, we do about 15 episodes purely talking about romantic movies, and then sort of like I mention offhand in one of them, it's like, oh, there was this weird guy stalking me down the street the other day, and it was really odd. And then slowly turning it into a sort of like fictionalized conspiracy tale where like eventually I disappear and then the rest of it becomes you doing sort of like a serial-esque thing trying to track down what happened to me. Ah, that could work. Well, we are, we're 10 episodes in right now, so if 15 is the watermark, then... We are. So, you know, sorry to spoil the surprise, guys, but I'm going to disappear in about five episodes' time. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and then it'll just be me going through the films of Richard Linklater on my own and giving like updates on your supposed whereabouts yes exactly but in the meantime we are on our 10th episode and it's all normal still just about it is yeah and we are here to talk about romantic films we're here to talk this week about the bridges of madison county i wanted to say it kind of slow and epic like that for some reason i don't know why i think it's that just that kind of name that lends itself to slow talking uh yeah i like it it, it sounds very sort of sensual talking th- this week on the big boys don't cry podcast we're talking about the bridges of madison county that's getting a bit radio four yeah yeah i was thinking you know sort of like sort of you know we've got this sort of like 2 a.m on talk radio going on where you can't sleep but we're here to talk sensitively about something relaxing until you feel like you can drift off we can't sleep you can't sleep everyone's a loser <laughs> I was going to say everyone's a winner, which is one of um, my dad's favourite phrases that I've kind of picked up from him that I tend to say in any situation where anything is vaguely positive. Everyone's a winner, but everyone's a loser. You you went a bit nihilist with it there. Yeah, which I feel like, yeah, the 2am radio could easily go down that, that nihilistic route. Um, and, and speaking of people hating everything... Uh, how did you feel about the bridges of Madison County? Oh, did you hate it? Are you are you about to hate on it? Are you about to go on a hate spree? Yeah, I am. I am about to hate on it. I did not enjoy this film. Did you see? I I I don't know if I necessarily like super enjoyed it, but I thought it was okay. There were things that I really liked about it. I mean, I think I always I always find the positives in it, but I love I loved the setting, and I thought Meryl Streep was really great. I mean, she was. She's what forty five at that time, and she looks amazing for her age. And then Clint Eastwood is just obviously really old and grizzled. He's like in his sixties at that point, and this was over twenty years ago. Um, 
but I I thought his performance was quite good, and I loved how much crying he did. That's that's one thing that really really grabbed me is in a lot of the kind of um, the sensual scenes, the scenes between them, where they're arguing about their relationship and how it's going to go and what's going to happen. He's just like he's just weeping, and you don't get to see men crying a lot, and especially in those kind of films, and especially as his character is supposed to be this kind of quite hard hardened old guy it yeah it quickly breaks down to his soft center and i i quite liked that but i i, I didn't i didn't find it objectionable it's um it's something you don't often see from clint eastwood as well is that kind of vulnerability um which uh when clint eastwood's performance was the thing i did enjoy about this film um where he still has that kind of like charming roguish quality that he often has in movies prior to him becoming a pure grizzled lump of man um <laughs> which happened a few a few years after this so um so it kind of started I thought you were going to say grizzled lump of meat <laughs> well that too so it kind of that kind of started with like unforgiven so before that you know he he had him in sort of like um you know he was in all of these uh, cowboy movies and he was dirty harry and stuff like that so he always had that hard man element um, but sort of like from Unforgiven on, you sort of sense that he was slowly becoming almost sort of like a a, um, a Scandinavian Drauger, but just sort of like given life and just going around sort of growling at people um, and sort of like it all came to a head with Gran Torino, um, which I think was his last major movie that he acted in, um, where he's just sort of like the grumpiest man in existence and it's wonderful. Um, but here, yeah, it really sort of throws you for a loop because he is a very emotional person, um, even though he's sort of like he's got this kind of like blasé attitude throughout it. But you see that underneath that there is a very sort of like real human there. Yeah, it was nice to see him playing a, a character that has a human side. And especially when it's really hard, I think, especially now looking back to separate Clint Eastwood, the actor from Clint Eastwood, the person, the old man yelling at an empty chair and holding horrible Republican beliefs and that kind of thing. So it's it kind of helped me to, to get over that idea of him as an artist as well. And it made me want to look back at his older ca- catalogue as well. And I spent a lot of time looking at photos of him young and then, com- because we talked about Robert Redford last week, comparing him and Robert Redford when they were young and their various handsomeness and haircuts and which of the shots I'm going to take into the barbers on Thursday when I go and get a haircut. Oh, so is that going to be a is it going to be a thing? Are you going to go down the Clint Eastwood route, or are you going to go down the Robert Redford route? Yeah, I'm I'm undecided. This is this is going to be my wedding haircut. So I, yeah, I gotta I gotta I'm probably leaning towards Redford, but Clint Eastwood in his day, you know, he was he had some great hair, you know. As as a wild card option, I think you should go down the Clint Eastwood in the Bridges of Madison County route <laughs> and go for the sort of straggled fading hair that he has in this. The the grizzled bear hunter look. <laughs> yes, exactly. If there's one thing that you want out of a wedding, it's a bear hunter. Definitely. Okay, so here here we go. Hate hate on it for me. Hate on it, and I'll try and talk you around maybe because I didn't love it, but I I wasn't I didn't hate it. I wasn't objection. I didn't find anything objectionable. I thought it was pleasant enough to watch. Um, sure. So, um, perhaps it's worth me first talking about what I liked. So I liked Clint Eastwood um, and I liked the future kids talking about it. As a framing device. And that added a really nice 
as a framing device. It added a really nice human element to it. Um, but that was pretty much it. Um, I was incredibly, incredibly bored. Um, bored out of my mind. And I'm someone who actually quite likes slow atmospheric films. Um, so I consider Blade Runner to be one of my favourite movies. Um, I like movies like Antiviral, which is a very slow-burning sort of like horror movie where nothing really happens throughout it. But you, I, I like things that build on tone and build intention um, uh, to come to something greater than what it initially starts out at. But in this, I never really got the sense that it moved beyond the first five minutes. Um, and I never got a sense of sort of like this is supposed to be the relation, the sort of like powerful singular relationship over a few days that lasts with both of them for a lifetime. But I never got a sense that this was that great at all. Um, so, yeah, I, it just didn't work for me at all. I, I, I just got bored at times. I considered putting the the speed of the the film on 1.5 times so i can just kind of get through it quicker <laughs> does that does like the dialogue and stuff speed up when you do that on your player so you could you'd have them on like chipmunk voices yeah yeah they'd be a little bit on a chipmunk voice which i thought also might add a little bit more of a of an entertainment quality to it but i didn't yeah. i persevered with it at normal speed um well done i'm proud and of you. um I, I i you know it was it was the most difficult thing i've ever done in my life um watch this movie at normal speed um, <laughs> um but yeah and and what's interesting is that after i finished watching it um i i went to work and i talked to people at work and i'm like oh i saw this film and i thought it was it was very dull um and they're like oh what film was it rob and i said uh the bridges of madison county and um pretty much everybody reacted in exactly the same which was oh yeah that i turned it off halfway through oh but they're all about poldark <laughs> they are all about Poldark, but having watched a fair amount of Poldark myself, I would rather watch Poldark than The Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> Interesting. So that's where it sits on the Poldark scale. I mean, to me, I, I've seen about 10 minutes of Poldark once and I thought it was boring as shit, but maybe I need to give it a bit more time. I, I would happily watch a shirtless, rugged man cutting wheat <laughs> in the evening in Cornwall for seven hours over watching the Bridges of Madison <laughs> County again. Hey, Clint Eastwood could cut some wheat if he wanted to. He could. He, he'd, he'd get out his machine gun and shoot at it until the wheat fell apart. And then Theresa May would come running through the wheat field. She would. She would. Yeah, where was Theresa May in this film? This was crying out for someone to run through some fields of wheat. She was, I think at that time, an MP for Lewisham distributing leaflets um about the bad influence of lesbianism that's come out recently oh yeah that's that's probably what she was doing back in 1995 yeah there's no end to the grimy bins in which the tories have scrabbled around but that's that's beside the point of this film it is <laughs> i mean this this film this film i don't think has a particularly anti-lesbian message unlike the leader of the conservative party and the prime minister of this country um <laughs> no it it could have been a relationship with a woman in fact i think that might have made it much more interesting if it was a relationship with an older woman photographer have you ever seen um fried green tomatoes 
No, I have not. No, and uh, I'm always reminded of that joke in The Simpsons where Apu is marrying Manjula and it's an arranged marriage, and she go- he goes quickly, "What's your favorite movie, book, and food?" And she goes, "The answer to all three is fried green tomatoes." And I yes. thought that was a very good yeah. joke, but I've never seen it. Um, because I was thinking of that film when I was watching this because it touches on quite a few similar issues. Um, And it has the same kind of framing device as well, where fried green tomatoes, um, it starts off with people in the future and they're talking to this old woman um, who's saying all these stories about her life and about people she knows and things like that. So it has that same kind of flashback thing that's happening um, in the Bridges of Madison County. And in that, it's got this um, this sort of like much more taboo relationships in it. Um, and it it just amps up the drama of it. Whereas this, it's like they kind of, what, they had an affair for a few days. Yeah, so what? Um, and I didn't find, I didn't find either of their reasons particularly sympathetic. You didn't get a sense, like you got a sense that she was generally a bit unhappy with her life and she felt like she wasn't really valued by her family based on that one scene where they have they have lunch together and then they don't really say thank you and then they sort off to some fair is it is that right they go to a fair somewhere that's what they're doing they're going to the state fair because she's exhibiting a prize pig or something see i wasn't really even paying attention to those kind of details but i feel like wanting approaching it that way is 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 perhaps asking the wrong question of the film because I didn't feel like it was about how unhappy she was in her marriage or even really about the affair. I felt like what the film was really about was about hiding things and not knowing the whole of people and how that affects your relationship with people and how you process things like um, like grief and like love and like eroticism and that kind of thing. It's about, I felt like it was, those were the main themes. And once you, once those things kind of clicked into place and they did so through the conversations that the, the kids were happening and were having in the present day, rather than the actual, the main Meryl Streep narrative, then it all started to make a bit more sense. But it took a while for those themes to emerge properly in the meantime, in which you've got lots of, yeah, you're right, very dull, slow scenes of, Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood driving around and taking pictures of things and her wondering about the town and stuff. Yeah, and I and like I un- I understand that it sort of like touches in all of those sort of ideals, but I did not care because by the time it reached the meat of that, I had no interest in these characters. I had no sympathy for these characters. Um I wanted to know if they were going to win with their prize pig at the fair. I wanted a I wanted a comedy caper where they get a flat tire and then their pig escapes on the way to the fair and then they have to run after the pig and you know and then hijinks ensue. That's what I wanted. The pigs of Madison County. You wanted the piggies of Madison County. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well that's the interesting thing about this as well, is that I think pretty much all of the films that we've discussed so far could be described as a romantic comedy. I mean, I think you could you could you'd have to stretch that definition for a couple of them, but this is a romantic drama. This is not a comedy at all. Um and I I get the impression that you're harder to please with drama than with comedy, I guess. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I ask for more from a drama than I do from a comedy. It's easy to make me laugh. It's harder to make me care. And I it, I like I like a good drama. I I very much enjoy a good drama, but it has to be pitch perfect and i didn't feel as though this was anywhere near 
good enough. No, um, I mean, I, I still enjoy it. I think I'm a bit more loose with, with my expectations around drama because I don't actually maybe watch as much drama as comedy. Maybe I'm not as discerning or as kind of easily pleased. I mean, I, I always enjoy these these kind of films, but I find, yeah, I'm the same with kind of action films, maybe in other genres that I don't watch a lot, that when I do watch them, I'm always kind of pleasantly surprised. But yeah, for the first kind of really heavy drama film that we've that we've watched, it seems that, yeah, our distinct personalities are emerging of you being quite difficult to please and me just being like, yeah, it's all right. I'm entertained. Clint Eastwood's got his camera out. Why not? I think that was Meryl Streep's general idea, wasn't it? It's, oh, this guy's got a camera out. Why not? Let's get a little bit of Italian-American loving going on. You're right. She did seem to kind of just be going along with it, didn't she? She did seem a little bit passive. You you never felt like she was fully there until there were there were some nice moments like when she was write, reading, they were read the letter in her, she was reading the letter in her voice and talking about the eroticism of it which didn't last very long but yeah for a lot of the time she did feel kind of passive but then in a way he felt kind of weirdly passive as well because he's just kind of shown up and just kind of started to set about this relationship so yeah you're right neither of them felt like they really had this huge thing driving them on I guess and that that's maybe why it feels felt a bit flat at times yeah and I think that's a real problem is that I felt that it was a very passive movie um, and you can have a passive film, but you need something to really tie people to it. Um, and I didn't really feel that that was there. I didn't really feel as though their relationship was powerful enough to keep that kind of interest going in like, and like you have that, like that's that moment at the end where she's like considering getting out of the car with, from her husband to go and be with Clint Eastwood. Um, and I was just like, I don't understand why you would. There's never really been that sharpness between the two of you. Um, I never got the sense that there was anything there between them. No, because you don't get too much of the of there being much of a build up. It's more that they're kind of both just there, and then it's kind of less less believable. Which I think is a thing that if you ever watch like really bad romantic films, that's kind of how it always happens. It's like two people are just inexplicably in love. And the 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 backstory isn't really isn't really built up there, and I guess maybe that's that's kind of like why we expect a bit more of our of our dramas because maybe yeah we are that bit that bit more discerning. But I did still believe in that bit that scene, and when it got to that point, that scene for me, I was I was hooked enough to find that emotional. But for me, it was more about the kids and about them finding out that their mother was a different person than they thought. And them coming to terms with it, especially as they have their own ideals. And then when the 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 son goes to his wife and like um, says that he loves her, and then the other the daughter um, instigates the process of divorce from her husband, it kind of the way that it drives those things. I felt that was quite a satisfying tie up. And then at the end with the ashes and stuff, that yeah, yeah, I that satisfied me. I I agree. I was I was very very pleased with how it ended. Um, I really enjoyed the children looking back at the life of their mother and thinking about how that impacts on what they want to do with their lives. Um, and I thought that side of it was great. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of that, but or a better balance between the two, I suppose, because I was not tied to it. And like I know that Meryl Streep got a lot of praise for her performance in this film, but I really thought it was quite awful. Yeah, the accent... I mean, Claire said that she sounded German. <laughs> 
I thought I thought it was a a mix of various different European accents depending on what her emotion was like in the movie. Um so she sounded very Italian when she was angry, but at other times it felt a bit Spanish or a bit German or a bit French. Yeah, and I felt like she yeah, she was obviously giving it her all and she looked really good and I, I did believe her in the I believed her the most in the scenes when they were really arguing and like kind of going at it because she's good at sort of heavy emotion and stuff like that in a way that a lot of actresses and actors aren't really. So I thought parts of her performance were really good, but yeah, the accent really really threw me and it was like was it necessary for her to be italian really like what did that bring to the to the plot or to the story or or alternatively could they could have hired an italian actress yes that would have made much more sense because i think i think the bridges of madison count i think the bridges of madison county was based on a book wasn't it it was yeah and apparently the book is really terrible i think um the author wrote it in his 50s and it was then i think it was probably his first really successful book and a lot of the kind of reviews and criticism of it were saying that the the film managed to take a really awful, turgid, like mansplaining book and turn it into a reasonably okay film. So it sounds like they were working with quite difficult source material in the first place. But I'd imagine maybe the author just really had a thing for it, like Italian women and decided to act out his fantasies by writing that. All right. <laughs> that does explain a lot. <laughs> um, because, yeah, it it because it does kind of... One of the issues as, as well that I have with it is the idea that she is an Italian woman and therefore is wild and, you know, impetuous. And you get that kind of sense that, oh, for your standard American housewife, it's fine to just live in this kind of relationship. But because she's Italian, you know, she's got to strike out and do something, you know, like spontaneous like sleep with Clint Eastwood who at this point looks a little bit like an old leather handbag (laughs) he does yeah yeah and I think that that's definitely some kind of pervy it seems like a pervy man's ideal of an Italian woman doesn't it it feels a bit yeah a bit rank in that sense when you when you think about it yeah so I, I had a lot of I had a lot of issues with this film and particularly like it also feels very very dated in my opinion um, and and I think I think quite a lot of Clint Eastwood as a director. I think he's directed some phenomenal movies, um, going all the way back to the early things that he's directed. I think he's got a lot of talent. But here, everything sort of fell flat. There wasn't really anything like because he's always been a great director with tension and timing. Um, so I don't know if you've ever seen Play Misty for me. Um, but that was a film he made back in the 70s, um, sort of about a a sort of like uneasy relationship between a um, a fanatical fan and a DJ. Um, and it's that's a very it's a really builds the tension phenomenally well. Um, and then he's, you know, he's done movies like Unforgiven, which is one of the best Westerns of all time and kind of destroyed the conventions of the Western um he's done movies like uh gran torino million dollar baby um and um things like mystic river as well um where he's he's always proved to be really good with the pacing of a movie but for some reason in this one i just felt like aside from the breaks where you went back to the kids um it all felt really one paced and quite plodding um 
kind of like the it was like the reverse of the princess bride where in the princess bride you have all of those incredibly fantastical scenes in the novel and then it brings you back to the reality of the granddad reading the reading the tale to the the kid and you're like no i want to find out more come on tell me more whereas this time around sort of you'd reach the bits where you're with the children again and you're like oh thank god we're back with these two again something interesting might happen now and you can't ask the the nice granddad reading it to skip the kissing parts either no no i i didn't need to see as much um clint eastwood kissing as this there was one scene um I mean, the the sex scenes weren't very pornographic at all, or there weren't that many of them. But there was one, the little kind of erotic montage. There's a bit where they're just, they're silhouettes in the bed, and you can just see the outline of a bum, and it's not even clear whether it's his or hers, and that kind of tickled me as well. <laughs> Might have just seen ambiguous Clint Eastwood's bum. bum, yeah, ambiguous bum, yeah. Um, I, I, the thing is that we have been spoiled in terms of sex scenes because you know we have seen the room with all of the wonderful sex scenes with Tommy Wiseau. Oh my God. So any movie sex scene will not compare to what happened in that. <laughs> yeah. The two sex scenes. Is it two scenes in that film? I think it's more than two. I think there might be three. And then they, they kind of reuse footage from some and chop them up. And it's always like epic sax music. Oh my God. We, sh- we could have a whole episode just talking about those sex scenes. I-, I would love us to talk about The Room, though. That would be great. That that would be good. It's not on the list actually, but I could put it in there. The, the, the list is mutable, changeable. That would be that would be a good April Fool's Day um, episode. Oh yes, that's yeah, that's a very good one because it's like you're going into it. It's an obvious stinker that you're going to tear apart, and we've also I think both seen it a number of times, which yes, yeah. <laughs> I have a seen bit. it many many times. But it is a great film. Um, it is a great film. Um, unlike the Bridges of yeah. Madison County, um, did you did you notice? That there's basically no incidental music. Yes, I did. Um, like that kind of, I think, really, really did not help the lump and pace of it. Like if there'd been a bit more kind of jaunty music or other things, um, it would have really helped. But I was, it, it opened silently, um, just suddenly titled film, the cut, truck driving up and stuff. And I guess it's supposed to kind of, in a meta way, it's supposed to resonate with her kind of dull, quiet life. Um, and then there's just the occasional bit of sort of Phil Collins-ish electric piano during some of the really emotional scenes, and that's literally it. There's no kind of pop music or tunes or anything. Not that you should have tried to shoe- shoehorn in some pop music because that probably would have ruined it, but a little bit more intimate incidental music, I think, would have really, really helped to, to break up the, the lump and pace of it. It would, and it is. you don't always have to use a score in a film. You can work very well. Um, by sort of like using a very minimal score but in films such as this where the actual content is so is so sparse um, I think it really needed something like that and one thing that I'd love to see is take out the score of this movie and put in the score of one of the Trent Reznor films so put in like the social network score or oh, the girl man. with the dragon tattoo or gone girl and see how those kind of horrible industrial um, ambient sounds would 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 work to make the bridges of madison county feel a little bit more intense that's a really cool idea um okay i know what i'm doing this week yeah <laughs> yeah that's your that's your project <laughs> Or just um, just a bit of like chicken sacks all over the whole film, or um, or or. <laughs> 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 
yeah, that was Star Wars, Star Wars music. Yeah, pure Star Wars music all the way oh. through. Um, and, and one thing that I really, I really found about this film was, um, it's a film made in 1995, and even though you know it's calling back to several decades earlier, it feels like a very old film, and so like. And there's no real excuse for it feeling as old as it does and feeling as boring as it does purely from a sort of like direction standpoint. Because this is this is a year in cinema that saw the release of Heat. It saw the release of Toy Story, of Seven, of Casino, of Twelve Monkeys, The Usual Suspects, and like, you know, the greatest movie ever made, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. <laughs> um, oh, we should watch that. We should, you know. There must be some romance in there somewhere. Um, and like, it's... Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if there was just a little bit more of a sort of like dangerous directorial stance taken or if like the plot of the movie had been amped up just a little bit to make it more taboo, um, like maybe, you know, one of the sex scenes she makes Clint Eastwood act like a cat and lick milk out of her hands, like uh, like George Galloway. (laughs) I'll be the cat. (laughs) oh man yeah there's just a lot of things you could have done to break it up but with it i think it was trying to look old and it was trying very very consciously to look very 60s but i actually really liked that because it ended up having a kind of nostalgic sepia tone that was very appropriate to the idea of him as a photographer for national geographic which is a job that i'm sure no longer exists even though national geographic exists now they wouldn't be sending someone on a long trip just to photograph some covered bridges like that the the nostalgia of that and the 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 tone and the aesthetic imagery of it i really liked but i think i really really like covered bridges as a thing so i went into it liking that and wanting that aesthetically and i was not disappointed from that point of view because a few years ago claire and i went to new england and drove around vermont and saw a lot of those covered bridges and i took a few photos of them myself actually so there was a little bit of a personal attachment there to the the visual visual idea of that and the visual imagery of that that made me want to like it. Yeah, and I, and I liked that concept um, and sort of I liked the idea. I would have liked to have seen more of them going around to have a look at these at these bridges, and I also would have liked to have seen more of um, the sort of like difficulties with the other town folk and like how if word got out it would have ruined her and things like that and it i just felt like it never really covered any of the things that would have been interesting very well and instead of a lot of it was just them sort of like plodding along through a vague romance sitting in her house talking about how he went to bari yeah and things like that yeah talking about his travels there was a good line i don't think maybe it wasn't her maybe it was someone else but someone um one of the women says, if you ask a man if he's tired talking about himself, you haven't been out much, have you? Or is it actually him saying that to her? He, I think he says that to her, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that line. I thought that was insightful. And that actually kind of, yeah, showed it up as him talking about himself um, and her just kind of letting him letting it happen. But there are a couple of more revealing lines from her, which I guess are kind of subtly hint at the the boringness of her life in a good way, which is that she, she, it's mid conversation. She just says to him, you really love what you do, don't you? And it's like, it's kind of quite a weird thing to say, but 
she the idea that she couldn't imagine loving what you do because she doesn't do anything i guess is at the core of the film yeah yeah um there's that kind of content dissatisfaction and i know that's kind of a an oxymoron but um i think that kind of sums up her character and the inability to take that step to then follow him knowing that he doesn't have that stability in his life and that's sort of like where the friction comes between the two of them but again i don't really feel like the movie did enough with those kind of because these are these are big themes to talk about in a movie about relationships um it's the kind of thing that is that could create a phenomenal movie um but i just didn't feel as though it touched on anything enough yeah, I'd, I'd say that's fair. I mean, for me, it just about hung together. I know the, the aesthetic enjoyment of it and the, the connection with the kids dealing with their families carried it through for me. But yeah, I more or less agree. I think I I don't have as high standards as you for drama, maybe. I just wanted to mention one thing, which is that he uses the word fuck just once and it's really well-timed. And they're, they're, um, they're arguing um, and he's about to go... Um, and oh, they're gonna eat, and he goes more eggs, or should we just fuck on the linoleum one last time? And I thought that was quite a well-timed fuck. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a well-timed fuck. Um, one thing that I've been thinking of is because um, this was a very big deal when it came out. Yeah, it was. Um, and since it was such a big deal, do you think that there could have been a a parody pornography made of the bridges of Madison County? That's that has to um, exist. I'm not going to go and search for it now. I'm thinking the the bridges of Shagerson County maybe. <laughs> Shagerson um, County. Uh, surely the bridges of Madison County. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't going to go down the route that blue paddy, but you That's very you have rude. Done. Sorry. Um That's vulgar. My name is is uh, Bobby King Laid. Um, I'm a photographer for National Pornographic, hey, and I'd like to like to have that. a look at your at your covered bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this this stuff like it just writes itself, you know. Do you think there's a market for porn parodies of movies over a decade old? Definitely. Because if so, I think we're on to a winner here. Yeah, definitely. This could be quite a nice little side business earner while we're getting sensations off the ground. You know, it's it's a lot cheaper to make, I think, than anything that involves Guy Fieri because his his fees are astronomical. Yeah, you know, I mean, we could see if he wants to get involved. He could be, he could be, he could be Bobby Kinlaid. <laughs> He'd make a very convincing photographer, I'm sure. I know loads of photographers who've got frosted tips. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying this is the best covered bridge I've ever seen, but this is the best covered bridge I've ever seen. Uh, you know how his, um, he likes to say, that's money, when he eats a good burger. He, at the end of it, he'd say, that's the money shot. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone down an incredibly lewd route, which I did not expect yeah. of a movie yeah. such as The Bridges of Madison County. No, this is very, it's very, very vulgar. Very vulgar. <laughs> um, yeah, so that definitely exists. I'm not going to go and search for it now because my, my computer has crashed trying to find all the Flat Earth podcasts that I was looking at before that's so still stuck on a Flat Earth loop. But maybe, yeah, if anyone is aware of <laughs> any <laughs> pornographic parodies, let us know. 
yeah you know i think i think that's another route that we can take in this podcast is you know we've got sensations do you think sensations would ever be popular enough that it would then have a porn parody made of it i hope so because that's how you know that's when you know you've made it right i I think it given that it's kind of like a a male rivalry centric film it would work really well as a as a gay porn parody actually yep yep so yeah come on guys you know we're we're gonna create something so you should create something for us off the back of it yeah we want to crowdsource it Can it be one of our Kickstarter goals? Yeah, this is the stretch goal. Of money, <laughs> one of the stretch goals will be that we'll, we'll create a porn parody. Yeah, if we get if we get fifty if we get fifty million sensations after dark. Oh, I like it. Sensations. <laughs> Sensei shags. Actually, that sounds that sounds more like a martial arts themed porno. <laughs> With a very literal description. (laughs) So, yeah, we'll find out if there are any parodies of the Bridges of Madison County. But it's interesting that you mentioned that it was a big deal at the time because it's not, it doesn't hold up well now. And I, I think people are still aware of it. You mentioned it to people, but it hasn't endured in the same way as other classic romantic dramas have, I'd say. So maybe that is telling about it being seeming good at the time but actually yeah people look back and they see that it's slow and dated and grizzled like clint eastwood yeah i i think it's it's you know it's not aged well um i think it does feel incredibly dated more dated than other films of the time as well um weirdly enough um a little bit of trivia about this film but robert redford was originally set to direct it and star in it what yeah um, which would have made I it. I wonder if that would have made it better. Yeah, it would have been. If it was the exact same lump and script and pacing and. I think maybe the 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 charm element would have been increased. He's a very charming actor, and I think maybe that would have increased the chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, you're probably right. I could see that. I mean, Clint Eastwood is charming in a different way, in more of a hard nut way. Yeah, yeah, and apparently, um, I- Isabella Rossellini was also in with a shout of being the lead which would have made sense as an italian actress oh really um yeah but then they decided not to give it to an italian actress yes and also not to allow meryl streep just to keep her own accent and just cut out the bit that she was italian yeah which is really really essential to the story yeah <laughs> oh well <laughs> also one thing that did get me was there was a cute dog and there was like the first scene where you see the dog she's all cuddling the dog and being like oh I love you dog and then you never see the dog again until like the one scene it's just wandering in she's not feeding the dog she's not she's not letting it out to go for a poo or whatever like yeah where's the dog I'm very concerned for that dog's welfare I, I'm telling you that dog went off to the state fair because eventually that dog's going to turn up and help them get the pig into the state fair even though they've arrived late for the competition. The the in the alternative film that was going on at the state fair, the the like um farcical comedy of the pig chase, the dog's a big player in that, you reckon? It's a sort of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead situation. That's that's where he went. He went over to the piggies of Madison County <laughs> and um got involved in that. 
the piggies of Madison County. We could we could make that one happen for sure. Get the say get the the cast the original cast of the the family who are in it for five minutes to all be in it together, with the children of the pig who played Gordy because the pig who played Gordy has got to be dead by now. Probably been eaten. Um... <laughs> would you eat a bit of Gordy? I, I I would. You know, I like a good famous pig. Um, the the Don't fame makes it tastier. Um, but yeah, I I think like. That would be a really good film, though, wouldn't it? It would be like Babe meets Little Miss Sunshine. That I am so sold on that concept. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's make it happen. Now that to another, that could be one of the other stretch goals, I suppose. Actually, we should probably put that above pornography in the stretch goals, just so. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. Pornography is is um, pornography is like the top, 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 top tier yeah. that we put on as kind of a joke. And that we yeah. hope nobody really makes it to. And then because it's the joke, everyone will want to do it. And then we'll get the money to make the real thing. Yes. Right. So how many how many covered bridges are you giving it out of out of twenty? Ooh. Um Are we gonna dip into single figures here? We are gonna dip into single figures. I think I'm gonna go as low as seven covered bridges out of twenty. Seven out of twenty. Mm. Ouch! Mostly, mostly for for Clint Eastwood and his his grizzled charm. Yeah, yeah. I I liked Clint Eastwood in this film, um, and I liked the framing mechanism. But overall, I was very bored, and it's quite hard to bore me. It is. Yeah, I don't think I have ever successfully bored you. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah, there we go. You can just recite the the script to this movie at me. <laughs> yeah. Every time you come around my house now, it's going to be like, oh, what do you want to watch? Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> I'll have a look at your DVD collection and it will just be 50 copies of the Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> and yeah. one one copy of La La Land, but inside La La Land is another disc of the Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, yeah, that's, that's, your, that's your boring future. <laughs> So um, I'm going to be I'll be a dip, bit more diplomatic and I'll give it a, a ten. I'd say I'll give it. I'd say it was halfway there for me. But yeah, I probably I probably wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> was um, it living on the, a prayer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, dog elected mayor. You see, you've seen those memes. Yeah. I have. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the bridges of Madison County was living living on the prayer for me. That's what we have to say every time now. If we if we give a film ten out of twenty, Just living on the prayer, cool. I like it. It's a like it's it. a Bon Jovi, we can call it. Yeah, I, I'm on board with that. Bon Jovi, it's our version of like Cockney rhyming slang, <laughs> mate. It's a total Jovi. <laughs> it's proper Jove. Or is it, oh no, it's you drop the the half that actually rhymes and then use the first part. So you're like, oh mate, it's a Bon. It's an absolute Bon. Yeah, okay, I'm on board the with absolute that. Bond. Absolute Bond. <laughs> yeah, cool. See, now I want to give, I'm going to want to give every film a 10 so I can be like, mate, it's an absolute Bond. <laughs> and then and then slowly it'll it'll mutate even further so it'll go from being an absolute Bond to being a Bond Scott and then we'll just be calling them all <laughs> Scotties. Yeah, yeah, how it, how it all emerges, yeah. Oh, bond Scott, God rest his soul and his lungs legend cool so that's the bridges of madison county i'm sorry i put you through that what's your choice next 
it's all right so we just watched a film with some very high concepts um and intelligence and a dramatic angle and i am here to destroy all of that with probably the trashiest film we've watched so far. excellent no this is good um we are going to watch she's all that okay I think I have seen that once a while ago, but I have I don't remember it that well. So, yeah, I don't remember hating on it or anything. So that's that's cool with me. It it has the ever present uh, rom com actor Freddie Prince Jr. Um, so I think we're in for a rom a return to the traditional rom com values on which this podcast was formed. <laughs> yeah. We need to make big boys don't cry great again. And this is how we're going to do it. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Good choice. I will look forward to that. So a couple of other bits of follow up. Um, And what's good about actually recording this in the same week, even though I like to prepare a bit further, is that we can do direct follow up on the last episode, which was about Barefoot in the Park. Um, I think you've seen on Twitter that friend of the podcast, Adam Molesky, highlighted that... um, Victor Velasco, the the neighbour character in Barefoot in the Park, looks a, looks a lot like our favourite Nintendo villain, Waluigi. And I can't believe that we didn't spot it. <laughs> yes, I did see that. Not, not only does he look a lot like Waluigi, but it's this film is potentially Waluigi's origin story because he comments on the plumbing and there's a bit when he's standing on the roof and it's like a platform game. He's got the same moustache. I mean, what more do you need? It should definitely be called Waluigi in the Park. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with this. I think um, Nintendo needs to get on this and make a Waluigi origin game where it's all about him sort of like creeping on a young couple and eventually romancing their, their mother. <laughs> and then he's just jumping on the roof for no particular reason and then it's the end of the game. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, Poor Waluigi. He hasn't had his own game, has he? Like Waluigi Land or whatever. He hasn't. No, there's been there's been a couple of good fan games that have been made, but he's never had his own game. And in fact, I don't know if he's ever appeared outside of sort of like the spin-off games. Um, I think he's only been in the likes of Mario Tennis, Mario Kart. He's never been in Smash Brothers, as far as I know. Really? Which is a real shame. That's because, a travesty. Yeah, because you know that I would choose Waluigi every time. Every single time. If we were playing Smash Brothers. <laughs> he, he is my go-to character in... Uh, in uh, Mario Kart, much to the annoyance of anyone that I play that game with. Yeah. Although I was I was playing as Daisy the whole time um, when we were playing it at my stag, and everyone kept referring to her as a Poundland Peach, which I think is just just downright rude, to be honest. I think I think she is an underrated character. Yeah. Is, uh, is Daisy? I totally agree. Waluigi, he's he's also underrated. I mean, generally in the Nintendo slash popular culture pantheon in general. I mean. He's got so much more depth than Mario and Luigi put together that I feel like it's a shame that he doesn't just get his own game, really. We should maybe we could have that as a stretch goal. Yes, we we are going to create the the uh multi-layered Wa- uh, Waluigi game that everyone's been waiting for. Yep. He's got to fight Guy Fieri, you know, because we've got to make it relevant, but yeah, so Waluigi is in barefoot in the park. So if you haven't watched that one yet, go back and enjoy the fact that that guy looks a lot like Waluigi. Um, what else? Um, friend of the podcast, Oliver Carey, has requested Nomeo and Juliet, um, which I have not seen. Have you? No, I have not seen it. Um, the pun of the title put me off ever watching it, but I have heard good things about it. 
<laughs> Same here. I think Elton John was very involved in the making of the film, not just with the music, but I believe he also maybe came up with the concept or produced it or something. So, you know, he's, he's a talented guy, so it can't be all that bad. But yeah, we'll save that for a future one, I think. Yeah, no, I'd be keen to I'd be keen to give that a go. He's also highlighted to us, um, Ollie, I mean, has highlighted to us that there's a film called Love's Kitchen, which stars Gordon Ramsay as himself, and that looks pretty awful. Um, but also vaguely towards Sensations, where it's a kind of kitchen romance rivalry thing. So we might have to check that out to make sure that we're not going to get sued by the makers of that film. Yeah, oh God. Yeah, we need to make sure that... I mean, obviously our movie's going to be vastly superior partly because it's not called love's kitchen i think <laughs> yeah sensations is a much better title we could just put a few episodes of uh diners drive-ins and dives together to make a 90 minute long feature and it would be better because it's not called love's kitchen but uh that would actually be really good anyway why don't we just do that <laughs> there we go if we don't make our goals that's your next project after rescoring the bridges of madison county with trent reznor music <laughs> There we go. And yeah, before the release of Sensations, we could leak Sensations on like um, pirate uh, platforms and just have it as a few episodes to like put people off. Oh, the fake leak. Love that. Yeah. I love a good fake leak. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we've ever talked about sort of like my favorite anti piracy things, but I love sort of like when bands release a fake album. Yeah. That's always great. So good. Um, and there's been various video games that have done wonderful things with how to punish cheaters. And they haven't always relied on like, oh, you can't get the game to work if you download it illegally. Some of them have done much more interesting things than that. Um, so uh, some games have made it so that after like an hour's play, you suddenly only have a weapon that can't do any damage to anybody oh. and things like that. Um, the best one ever was a game called Game Dev Tycoon which is kind of like a um, a roller coaster tycoon or theme hospital type thing where you're running a little game studio and um, whatever game you make um, fails because loads of people start illegally downloading it. So <laughs> you can amazing. never win at the game because piracy kills your game off. And um, what's great about it is that the makers of this game reported that like they used to get loads of people um writing on the forums of the game saying oh how do you how do you stop pirates from from taking away your game is there any way you can put some kind of anti-piracy measure in place my favorite fake leak is um one that ben folds did i think it was 2008 9 with his album way to normal and he he leaked a fake album and loads of people were reviewing it and stuff and loads of the songs were really really dumb and stupid he just like went in there for a day and just recorded loads of songs about like dogs and about farts and stuff and people were reviewing it as if it was the real album i'll try and dig out some of the reviews really really great and he's great and and that's one of that one of the things that particularly when it comes to video games is there are lots of like negative things when it comes to um piracy and not just in terms of lost sales because there's a big sort of like debate about how about how um piracy would impact on sales of anything if people pirate a movie doesn't mean they don't buy it or don't go and see it at the cinema or would they just not go and see it at all if someone pirates an album would they actually have bought it or would they actually have listened to it if there'd been some kind of financial incentive or if they just ignored it um but there's lots of other things so something like that for instance would result in more of a negative press for ben folds because people have listened to this album giving it a negative review and it casts this kind of misconception on the whole thing 
And it kind of happens the same way in video games where um, particularly if you've got a game that relies on multiplayer components, um, developers will stress test their game to a sort of like idea about how many people are going to play this game. Um, so they're like, you know what, let's let's test it for like 200,000 um, concurrent users and see how our servers hold. However, if then at launch they get 800,000 pirates, it completely crashes the game for everybody and those initial reviews come in with this game doesn't work, the multiplayer doesn't work and it kind of impacts heavily on any future sales they'd have because they don't have that community of people playing it as they were expected because of all the pirates that have kind of messed it up a bit. It's quite interesting the way that sort of like piracy impacts on stuff in different ways. Yeah, in ways that yeah very much depend on on the art form in question, for sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but if you see <laughs> if you see a download of sensations, just just be just be careful. What I'm saying is, you might not end yeah. up with the real sensations. Always make sure it not. has the Fieri seal of quality. You might get the porn parody. And, you know, that's going to be entertaining, but not in the same way as the pure sensations goodness that we're planning to deliver to you. Yep, definitely. If it's if it's like a uppercase um, I in the middle or like or an L that, yeah, you know, you're, you're not looking at the right the right film. Yes. Cool. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say was that in unrelated film news, I went to see Baby Driver on Friday and it was really good. Oh, nice. I want to go see that. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I'd say it is peak Edgar Wright. It's everything that's good about what he does in terms of making films that are sort of offbeat and quirky, but still using the tropes of the genres that he works in in really good and amusing and engaging ways. It's just brilliant. And the way that it uses music and the soundtrack is really unique. I mean, I, I can't think of any other film that does it where so much of the action is kind of in time with the music and it's so integral. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's it's really, really good. So I, that's like my number one recommendation for stuff that's out right now. Go see Baby Driver. It's really good. All the performances are great. It's really engaging and fun. And I highly recommend it. Um, I went to go and see Alone in Berlin um, on a pre-release oh, yeah. screening. And uh, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's about um, this couple this in Berlin. Who's in it? Um, it's Brendan Gleeson and Emma Thompson. Diane Keaton and Emma Thompson. Yep. Now, I heard Brendan Gleeson talking about this on the Kermode and Mayo podcast. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and it's, it's about this couple who um, they lose their son in world war Two, and they decide to start sharing um, anti-hitler propaganda um around berlin um on these little postcards that they leave scattered about and you know since it is a, a world war Two movie set in germany with um you know the subtext of the holocaust you know it's a real feel-good summer hit um <laughs> yeah um, but it is it is it is a very interesting film. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing and you want a very sort of personal story about that time period, um, it's probably worth a watch. There's some very good performances in it, and it's a, quite a neat script as well. Um, so yeah, cool. Recommend it if really you good. like that kind of thing. I like Brendan Gleeson a lot. I feel like he's potentially kind of underrated. A lot of the films he's done haven't been like huge smash hits, but he's got a really good catalogue of stuff behind him. Yeah, he's he's another one of those those actors who always puts in a great performance, whatever whatever he's in. He always stands out as being a, as a great actor. 
Cool. All right. Well, there's your, there's your recommendations for films that are out now as well. You're, get, you're getting it all this week. It's a, there's a jam-packed episode. <laughs> it is indeed. Flat Earth, movies out now, movies from over a decade ago. What more? What more could you want from a podcast? Well, exactly. That's very much a rhetorical question. I think you'd want more sensual talk as if you were on Radio 4 late at night. <laughs> and now yeah, the shipping forecast. <laughs> someone's going to write in and say that we need to do the whole podcast in those voices. And we'll agree to do it because we love our fans. I, I, I'd be keen to do that. I'd, I'd be up for that. Would you? We'll have to do our own shipping yeah. forecast. As long as we get to make it up entirely. Yeah. I mean, it's just making up words and numbers anyway, isn't it? It's not actually real. <laughs> it is indeed. Because the Earth is flat, so the ships Flaggle are just... seven They're just from ships, like, sailing towards the edge of the Earth and then coming back. So all the things that they're talking about aren't real because the Earth is flat. It's another, it's another part of the round Earth conspiracy. Yep. Definitely. So if you're, if you're going to listen to the shipping forecast, turn it off. We don't like it. <laughs> listen to our one instead. It's much better. Absolutely. Yep. So we'll, we'll bring that to you next time. Cool. So this has been the Big Boys Don't Cry podcast. Uh, if you have any, any feedback or any follow-up, anything as insightful as Barefoot in the Park being Waluigi's origin story, which has really set the, the bar high, I think, on the the listener mail but um we're on twitter at big boys don't pod and you can email us at big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com all right and we'll see you next time we'll talk about she's all that yes indeed bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.